everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And we're here with the No Respect episode, right? We sit here. We just had rookie mini camp, and I'm, I'm going to get to that in a bit. We'll, we'll go over what I saw from some of the rookies at rookie mini camp. Uh, it's not a fully comprehensive breakdown, but you get a little, you get little tidbits of maybe what you're going to see. And there were some guys that kind of kind of stood out a little bit. So I'll get to the rookie mini camp and the rookies in a few minutes. Uh, but what I, and also we're going to rank the quarterbacks in the NFC East in a minute, and also go over the NFC East odds. And that's kind of what had me thinking, right? The Giants are, I mean, I'm looking at Caesars odds right now. Caesars Westgate. The Cowboys are the favorite at plus 110 in the division, right? They're the Cowboys. We, I get it. Uh, they're super talented. Their roster's good. Dak's coming back. The, the fact that they're that big a favorite over Washington, who's plus 260, who might have the best defense in the league and won the division last year, to me is kind of silly. But that's just the power of the Cowboys, America's team. Now, the Giants and the Eagles are both listed right now at plus 450. And that takes me to the point. The Giants are getting absolutely no respect. Now, I'm not saying they should be favorites to win the division. The Cowboys, I mean, uh, Washington, quite frankly, should be the favorite. Maybe you want to say, okay, Washington and Dallas about even. That's fine because Dak's coming back. That's fine. But the Giants should be about where Washington is at, like, plus 260. So if you happen to be into these kind of things, put down, you know, a a few shekels on it. You, You put a few salamis, you know, on these kind of things. And you go to the sports book, plus 450 is great odds for the Giants. I mean, this is this is a team that was pretty close to winning the division last year, right? We all know what happened that last week of the season with the Eagles and Washington winning and the Giants getting to six wins. But granted, the division was terrible. We got it. But they were still close. So they were comparable to everyone else in the division last year. And they upgraded their roster this offseason. So why plus 450? Which takes me to the point that the Giants, they don't have – anybody's respect right now around the league. And that's fine because you know what? Quite frankly, it's deserved. They've been bad, really bad, to the tune of 18 and 36 over the last four years. That means they have lost twice as many games as they have won over the last four years. That's bad in the NFL. And and really, the Giants haven't been very good since uh Let's say I'll give them 2012. They were still decent. So 2013, eight years, eight seasons, 13 to 20, eight seasons, bad football. So nobody's a believer in the Giants. This isn't like, oh, the Giants, they're going to turn it around. No, it's been eight years we've been saying this for. So at this point, everyone just assumes they're just not good. Daniel Jones, just not good. I don't care if they got Kenny Galladay. I don't care if they added Kyle Rudolph, Kadarius Tony, you know, two edge rushers in the draft. It doesn't matter. They still do not inspire public confidence for people outside of the area, for people in uh, Nevada or, let's say, Idaho, who might be looking at it and saying, okay, I'm going to bet on the uh, NFC East. I like the Cowboys roster or, uh, you know, Chase Young in that re- Washington defense. I almost said the dreaded R word again. They look good. And they say the Giants, oh, they stink. They haven't been good since uh, I was in high school. You know, that, that's what you know, Joe Joe Better in Idaho might be thinking, or Johnny Football Fan in Montana. And quite frankly, it's deserved. The doubt in the Giants is 
deserved. They built up this uh, perception and public distrust over eight stinking bad years. 18 and 36 over the last four. So they're plus 450. But I have to say, and you know, if you listen to me, you follow me. I've been a harsh critic of these Giants these last eight years, really. I think the only year I picked them to have a winning season was 2017 when they finished 3-13 and and the whole team got injured. But the irony there, uh, (laughs) their worst year was when I picked them to actually have a winning season. But I've been a harsh critic of this team. I I thought their, their roster has been in bad shape pretty much all along. They slapped it together temporarily for 2016. We knew even at the time that that wasn't the greatest way to build roster build. Then it would probably come back to bite him. We didn't realize it would happen so quickly. But I'm optimistic about this team. I think they are heading in the right direction. My buddy, Elliot Shore Parks, who uh, you know is the, the hot take master, or he works for WIP over in, in Philadelphia, he said it can be argued that the Giants have, and this got a lot of people's attention, the worst quarterback, the worst coach, and the worst offensive line out of any team in the combination out of any team in the NFCs. Now, I think some of that statement is crazy. Now, we all agree, offensive line, that definitely could be true. But, I mean, Joe Judge, we're going to say, is we, we think is going to be a worse coach than Nick Sirianni. I actually am very high on Joe Judge as a coach. And Daniel Jones, while I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be a great quarterback, it's funny how the perception changes so quickly because he had a promising rookie year. Turned it over a lot his rookie year, but he did a lot of good things his rookie year. Okay? But, so then he has a down second year when he had nobody around him. And all of a sudden, the, the perception, the one-year perception. Last year, he was supposed to develop into a, a pretty good quarterback. Now he's complete junk and garbage. I think that's silly. I really do. Now, I probably am in the middle on Daniel Jones. I think he's a starter in the NFL for sure. Kind of where I was last year, to be quite honest. I think his ceiling is... Good, not great quarterback, you know, like a top 10 or 12 quarterback. I don't think top five quarterback is in his future. I don't see that as part of the range of possibilities. Now, maybe he does. Like, But the jump like that Josh Allen made in year three, I'm not quite seeing that from Daniel Jones. But I do think he'll be better. I do think he'll be a good quarterback. I think he could be like QB 16 if you like line up all 32 starting quarterbacks. I think this year, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. Daniel Jones is like 14 to 16 with a better supporting cast around him, looking better. Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony. Did I even mention Saquon Barkley yet is coming back? I don't think I mentioned that yet in this episode. We all know it's true. So that's kind of where we stand. Now, let's go over Elliot's comments. I mean, Joe Judge and coaches, personally, I take him over. I know Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl. I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan. Ron Rivera, like him as a coach. I'd probably go, like, if you say you're, you get a team right now, I'd, I'd take Rivera, Judge, McCarthy, and then Sirianni last because I know nothing. I don't think anybody really knows much about Sirianni. We'll still find out if he'll be a good coach. Nobody has any idea. So to me, Joe Judge is probably, you know, the second best head coach right now in the NFCs. So definitely not the worst. And then quarterbacks, all right, here's how I would rank my NFC East quarterbacks. You go Dak, number one. I know he's coming back from injury, serious injury, broke his leg. The thing 
facing backwards against the Giants last year. And I don't think he's going to come back and be amazing from day one. I think it might take him a little while to get going, but I've, we've seen guys come back in past years and be successful right away a little quicker. So I'm not overly concerned that Dak will not, will not revert to his previous form. So Dak is still clearly number one, in my opinion. Number two in the division, I take Daniel Jones. Now, some of this is projection, but I think with a better team around him, Daniel Jones is going to be a better option than Ryan Fitzpatrick. If we line up all the quarterbacks in the league, is Ryan Fitzpatrick a top 16 guy? I don't think so. So let's say Daniel Jones, which I think he is, is, is like a, the 16th best quarterback this year. Ryan Fitzpatrick's like 18, let's say. Something like that. I'm not a big Ryan Fitzpatrick fan. Now, he's an upgrade for Washington. They were playing, think about it last year. They started Dwayne Haskins. We know how that worked out. Kyle Allen and Alex Smith basically on one leg. Alex Smith's job was not to mess it up. And he did that. And because he could, he was good enough not to mess it up, dumped the ball down all day, that was enough for them to win because the rest of the team around him was good enough. Now, obviously, Daniel Jones didn't have that. He had pretty much nothing when Saquon Barkley went down. Now, he did not play well, but I think there's a middle ground between where Daniel Jones played part of his rookie year and showed those flashes and the quarterback we saw at times last year when he struggled with nobody around him. So there's a middle ground there. So I think Daniel Jones, I would take him uh, as a, if, like, if I'm building a team right now. I take him second, Ryan Fitzpatrick third, and Jalen Hurts fourth. Now, I like Jalen Hurts. Like, I would even contemplate taking Jalen Hurts over Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, I think Jalen Hurts could be decent. I don't see, I have, I question, my one big question, and this is always a big one, is can he throw the ball well enough to be a successful quarterback in the NFL? Is he accurate enough? Can he make the reads? Can he make all the throws? I think that's the question. Remember, this is a guy, now he was good at Alabama, but he was more of a running quarterback at Alabama, a guy who would tuck it and run a lot. And then he basically got cast aside when they when Tua came along. So they just basically dumped him because he, he, they couldn't throw the ball that successfully with him at quarterback. And Tua was a much better thrower than was Jalen Hurts, who's now the, the Eagles quarterback. So... Not the biggest fan of Hearns. I think he could be all right, but it's look, we're, this is a, he's a huge pro- projection at this point. So for that reason, to me, he's number four on the list. He's more a projection than Jones, and at least you know we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. We don't even know if Jalen Hurts can be that. Now, if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays the way he did in Miami last year and does it over 16 games, 17 games, sorry, that is just killing me. Stupid 17 games, that's just going to, doesn't sound right. 10 and 7, those records, that just sounds wrong. You're 10 and 6, 6 and 10, not 10 and 7, 6 and 11. Man, it's going to take some getting used to. Once we get used to it, though, then, you know, you got to, you got to change. You got to be, you got to be flexible to change these days. We'll get there. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, like I said, if he does that over 17 games, yeah, he'll, he'll be, he could be the best quarterback in the league. The problem with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and it's been proven over and over and over again, is that he can't do it over 16 games, even in a 16-game season. So you're even adding another game. Makes it much more unlikely. He's good for stretches. 
Like I, I, I would feel really good. Like if you say, okay, which quarterback do you want for a six game stretch? And you tell me Fitzpatrick's on his high. Is it the pinnacle of the, you know, the, the ups and downs that he goes through? Sure. I'll take him, but you can't guarantee that. And over, if you start him enough, he's one of those guys. He's good enough to be a starter. He's good enough to be a starter for a stretch. He's probably not good enough to be your starter for the long term. And that's where kind of Washington's stuck. They really don't have a long-term solution right now. They're in no man's land. The Giants, we're going to find out just where Daniel Jones is. But I think I'm, I've tilted towards more towards the positive on Daniel Jones. Like The spectrum of critics of, of Daniel Jones range from, I don't think anybody's out there saying he's great. Like, he could be really good. He could be Eli. Okay, that's that's like the 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 dreamers, the, the high-end people, the super optimists, the eternal optimists. They say Daniel Jones could be Eli. He could be like that 10th best quarterback in the league, but step it up when he needs to win a couple Super Bowls. Now I'm probably not there. Eli's career is so outrageous and such an outlier. I, I won't go there with Daniel Jones. But I will say... I think he's at that next level. Like, he could be a good quality quarterback. Okay? I mean, is that outrageous to think? Daniel Jones can be a little lesser version of Matt Ryan? Because Matt Ryan did win an MVP. So Matt Ryan's like perennially like the eighth best quarterback. Aside from a couple years. So like a slightly less version of Matt Ryan. That's not reasonable? With better players around him? Let's see what happens. I think this year, year two of an offense under Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens, Jody Wright also going to be heavily involved there. Even Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach, you know they're going to be very involved offensively with the, with the design and the game plan as well. I think I, I forgot quarterback coach Jerry Shaplinski too. These are established, experienced coaches who are all going to contribute to make sure this offense isn't the 31st-ranked offense. But this offense doesn't resemble anything of last year. That's what gives Daniel Jones a chance. He doesn't now have to do – he doesn't have to be the one who makes those splash plays, those outlier plays. He just needs to make basic plays and then let some of his guys do the work, right? Let Kenny Galladay go up and make a tough contested catch downfield. Let Kadarius Toney catch a pass six, eight yards and make 15 yards after the catch. Giants receivers were last in the NFL last year. Last. Dead last. 3.0 yards after the catch. Three. Three yards after the catch. On average. That's brutal. And I even looked up, I was looking up yesterday, play action uh, screen passes. The Chiefs had like seven touchdowns on it. Uh, I think Buffalo led the league, had like... uh, you know, 400 yards, almost some somewhere in that range on play action screen passes. The Giants had 15 completions for 28 yards. That means basically they were throwing screen passes to the running back. He was getting the ball and getting smacked before he even gained a yard or two, two yards. Before he even gained two yards, he was on the ground. That's what the Giants offense was like last year. Lack of creativity definitely contributed to it. That's why I mentioned before. You're going to see a lot of voices in that room be involved, heavily involved, and it's going to create a better offense and give Daniel Jones a much better chance. Now, before we wrap up this part, let's go over rookie minicamp. Then I'll get to your questions. we got a Giants after dark on deck. Rookie minicamp. 
Kadarius Tony. We'll start. We'll go one by one by the draft picks. Kadarius Tony. Now, couldn't find this the right cleat, which to me just is kind of mind boggling. What do you mean you have the wrong cleat, or something's wrong with your cleat or your foot? One size is wrong, but the other size isn't wrong. I mean, it makes you scratch your head. Like, you know, do these kind of things happen to, uh, you know, Ellerson Smith? No, it somehow, or does it happen to, you know, Logan Ryan? No, but it happens to guys like Kadarius Tony. Apparently, he's one of those guys that seems to attract these situations. Now we'll see if this is long term. And I'll give you a funny story. It reminds me of an old Giants receiver that we knew. And right away, we should have seen the signs with him, but I think we overlooked it because it wasn't necessarily his fault. This also just kind of silly. But as for Kadarius Tony, the player, you could tell what the Giants like with this guy. He's not tall. He's listed, I think, six foot, but he uh or five eleven. He 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 measured under six foot. I think it was five eleven, five eighths. So he's he's not tall for an NFL receiver, <clears throat> but he's shifty and he's quick in and out of his breaks. You could tell that the limited time I saw him on the field. But what really stood out to me about Kadarius Tony was he's not the scrawny, scrawny, like wide receiver, you know, small wide receiver who's going to go. And this is why the Giants liked him. You know, he could make yards after, with the ball in his hands after the catch, fight for yards. He's a little stocky. So he he's going to be able to be able to absorb some contact and keep going. And that's one thing that when I talk to, coaches and, and personnel people, <clears throat> excuse me, allergies killing, killer lately. Wake up my eyes, pasted shut. Anyway, contact balance. That's the word that I've heard a lot from coaches and personnel people. He has contact balance. And you don't have that if you're, you know, 5'11", 165. He's 5'11", I think 193. So he's got some uh, size to him a little bit. You know, stockiness, shoulders are a little are broadish. That he's going to be able to do damage with the ball in his hands. So that's that's my first. These are basically first impressions because what they do is they go out there in rookie mini camp, and they're basically just running drills. So they're not lining up and even running one snap, real snap of eleven eleven football. It's really a teaching period. Work on some individual drills. So you just get a look at a, look at the guys. You can, you could see their body types. You can see the way they move. Uh, physicality is something that cannot be measured at these things. Linemen, basically forget about it. There's no, nothing that simulates offensive line play at these, at these mini camps, even OTAs for the most part. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, as far as the second round, right, Who's who I'm drawing a blank right now on the Giants' second round pick. Oh. Aziz Ojolari. Uh I'll do Aziz Ojolari and Ellerson Smith, their fourth round picks together because kind of intertwine. Two edge rushers. Now, you I like the way both of them move. Ojolari is a little more solid wide, but holy cow, Ellerson Smith was imp- is impressive just to look at that guy. I mean, Jim Nagy told us. He warned us we're going to be impressed when you see him. And you see him on the field. First of all, he towers over Ojolari. And he's not skinny. He looks solid. He looks, his body composition is nice. And the way he moves, both of them, I actually like the way they move. Ojolari moved much better. Than, when you see him next to Ellerson Smith, he's built like, let's say, Marcus Goldenish, Ojolari. But 
when he's in open space, he does he moves pretty good for a guy who's who's uh probably on the shorter side, bigger shoulders, not super tall and lean like you know the, you you would prefer your outside linebackers, which Ellerson Smith is. I mean, he just looks the part, and when he's dropping back and in, into coverage and into space, he moves pretty darn well for a guy that size. He reminds me body wise, looks wise of Alden Smith, like when I saw him out there, like a young Alden Smith, just super athlete. I'm talking about uh, Ellerson Smith, tall, muscular, looks strong, but yet still lean and just moves effortlessly for a guy that size. That's what Ellerson Smith looked like. Now, I don't know if he'll ever even come close to what Alden Smith was when he first came into the league. So Alden Smith basically was on like double digit sack a year, a double digit sack a year guy, and just a pace that was out was crazy until he got him, you know, got himself in trouble. But so oh, I like the way Ojolari and Ellerson Smith both were able to move. So uh, I think the Giants have some potential there. Uh, Ellerson Smith, I know, is a guy that impressed the coaches and the coaching staff and that even when they looked at him, they had the same kind of, you know, thoughts. It's like, holy cow, look at this guy. This guy has potential. Now, he's pretty raw. He's got a long way to go, but there is potential there. So the, even the Giants coaching staff was, was very, very optimistic with what they saw from Ellerson Smith. Third round pick was Aaron Robinson from UCF. Uh, put together slot guy, nickel guy. That's what that's what he looked like. Uh, and so you know, ball skills looked okay. Nothing special. You didn't see him go and just snag and attack the ball like some of these great ones or the great wide receivers or whatever. But he moved pretty well. Uh, you 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 could see kind of what the Giants have envisioned for him. It's going to be an interesting battle there between him and Darnay Holmes in that slot spot. Uh, Gary Brightwell, six-round pick. Straight line speed better than I thought, uh, and also caught the ball okay out of the backfield in drills. Not a natural hands catcher, so I, I don't think he's going to be a great receiver ever. But uh, his hands seem to be all right. and he. Uh, but straight line speed, he looked pretty good. I don't know. He didn't look like... In and out of cuts, he's the fastest guy in the world. But once he gets going, he definitely has some really good speed. And then uh, their other six-round pick, Rodarius Williams, he sat out at times, uh, seemed to be banged up a little bit. But, you know, uh, bigger guy that can run. You could see the Giants, especially Brightwell and Williams. Let's be fair. These guys were drafted for special teams. Joe Judge has made, put a huge emphasis I'm making sure that they're better in, in, in special teams, kick coverage specifically. And these, you could tell these two guys, two six-round picks, I mean, that's their purpose. That's going to be their role this year if they're on the roster. Those two guys are going to cover kicks for the New York Giants. So there's a possibility neither of them do anything in their NFL career besides be special teamers who cover kicks. That's their purpose. That's why they were drafted. Anything else besides that? Gravy. Complete gravy. So, uh, and then the undrafted guys, you know, like I said, offensive linemen in particular, you, you can't really judge those guys at, at rookie minicamp. So there, there's like, you know, three offensive linemen there. Now, what is worth mentioning before we go on to the next segment and I answer your questions is 
Kelvin Benjamin. Stunned he made it, by the way. Stunned that they signed him. But, you know, he could catch the ball. The Giants obviously saw something there. I'm not necessarily saying I saw it. He didn't look like he was moving great to me. Obviously, a big, he was a bigger guy. One Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end is what uh, Booger McFarland said. And it turns out now he is a tight end. The Giants are just taking a flyer here. This figure, hey, we think we can work with him and maybe maybe we can have something here. Maybe we can make something of it. It kind of reminds me of the uh, tight end for the uh, Washington. What was his name? The quarterback. Oh, man. He was actually on the Giants. He never actually played for the Giants, uh, but he was a quarterback, Logan Thomas. And now he's developed into a tight end. Like, I, I guess maybe you can have a lesser version of that. That's what they could dream of. I, I don't quite see it, but I think Kelvin Benjamin still has his work cut out for him. But hey, take a flyer. He showed enough. You cut Nate Weeding, Whiting. So Nate Weeding wasn't going to make the team anyway. Why not throw Kevin Benjamin in there? You'd see if you could develop him into some sort of useful tight end. And that's how he ends up signed. And then Corey Clement got signed. And the Giants also claimed Reichwell Armstead this week. So two veteran guys. Again, special teams value. Both guys uh, injury history. So, hey, you know, let's throw them into a pot. Maybe one of them could end up being a good special teamer for us. Veteran running back depth. You know, you could put him in the game and not get your quarterback killed if you need it. But clearly, the pecking order is going to go Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker, and everyone else fighting for a job. So, Ryquell Armstead opted out last year. Uh, so, he hasn't played now in two years. We'll see where he's at. And Corey Clement, he looked all right out there uh, doing, doing drills, although I did see him fall and slip a couple times. But, uh, you know, as long as he's healthy, that's really the problem with Corey Clement is he was unable to stay healthy in Philadelphia. Uh, he has proven to be a quality backup and just go watch that Super Bowl, what, three years ago to see what Corey Clement can bring to the table. So, hey, we're at the point of the offseason, 90-man rosters. We're so far away. You just stockpile of guys. You never know who gets injured. You never know when you're going to need the depth, and you never know when one of these guys, you know, this – develops or gets healthy or, uh, you know, can contribute on special teams in some way, shape, or form, you throw them into the mix, it doesn't hurt. That's where we're at. And now, let's get to your questions. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ah, yes. It's time where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions. We haven't done one of these in a while. It's time for Giants After Dark. All right. We're going to do from Twitter. I think we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pack. We got an eight pack of questions from Twitter. 
We got number question number one at Gavel Judge asks, what's the feeling about the Giants going after a free agent guard or the possibility of a trade? Trey Turner? Question mark. Trade, I don't think is likely. I mean, uh, giving up an asset for essentially the Giants aren't going to go get a big starting guard. That's not going to happen. Now, Trey Turner, free agent. Possibility. It's a name I've heard. I've heard has been talked about. I don't, nothing imminent at last check. But as far as I'm aware, the Giants know where they're at with their offensive line. They're not feeling like they have this world beater offensive line. They know guard in the interior is definitely a spot where they would like to add reinforcements. So they will watch that waiver wire. They will look at the veterans that are still there in free agency. And I would not be the least bit surprised if they add a veteran at some point. Now, Trey Turner, obviously a name that's been talked about. I would say just my gut feeling from talking to people is they're probably not the favorites to get Trey Turner. So uh, possible, but not likely. Question number two at Little Wyatt Pimpin. He says, any chance Evan Ingram gets traded? Now, you hear a lot of this. Everybody wants to get rid of Evan Ingram. Oh, enough of Evan Ingram. He stinks. He dropped a lot of passes last year. And I get it. He might have made a pro ball, but he did not play well last year. Evan Ingram did not play well last year. He had a rough year. Giants tried to shove him in as the number one receiver, as their top offensive playmaker. It just didn't work. Nothing about it. The whole Jason Garrett system. Uh, not getting him downfield. His confidence seemed to wane as the season went along as well. It just wasn't a great year for Evan Ingram. But like, just because they're getting, they signed Kelvin Benjamin, who's just a complete crapshoot, still a long shot to make the roster, doesn't mean they're going to, or even if they sign Kyle Rudolph, who also, by the way, is dealing with a foot injury, doesn't mean they're going to trade Evan Ingram. I don't anticipate them trading Evan Ingram. I think it's a very slim possibility, maybe, Maybe Kelvin Benjamin just exceeds expectations, plays really well in the spring, and the Giants say, hey, you know what? We have an excess here at this position. Maybe we could get something for Evan Ingram. But both of those are extremely unlikely scenarios. So it's Evan Ingram for another year. The idea is, okay, now he's in a room where he knows there's serious competition. He's looking around saying, hey, it's now or never. I'm in a contract year. The Giants, I think, like that he's in that situation. And they think that that pressure, that peer pressure of sorts, might do him good and might benefit him. Not just him, other players on the roster too. When everyone in the wide receiver looks room looks around and says, hey, we got a lot of guys here. If I don't perform well, I'm not going to play. So Evan Ingram is going to be a part of this roster. Uh, we'll see where it goes. but. I would be very, very, very surprised if he gets moved. Uh, you're Also, you're not going to get a ton for him because he's not signed past this year. So whoever gets him is probably on a one-year rental also. So what are, what are you really going to give up? Like if the Giants just wanted to get rid of him, yes, they could trade him. And you'll get a fifth, sixth, or fifth rounder, let's say, in return. But then remember, you're not really getting anything in return for him then. So there you go. Next question, uh, Matthew Agni, a.k.a. Young Joker, which obviously is uh, Kadarius Tony's 
rapper name. Is there a position you could see being filled by somebody not on the roster? Okay. That's an interesting question. At one point I thought, and I still think it's possible, the Giants could add a veteran pass rusher at a later date. Like, especially if, like, an Ellerson Smith isn't exactly ready to contribute greatly in year one. Uh, you know, remember O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter, they're both coming back from injuries, uh, supposedly doing well, but still, we're at the point where you never know what if they don't make it through training camp. Uh, then I think there is a possibility that you will see a veteran pass rusher, whether he's somebody cut from another team, whether he's someone off the that's still a free agent, a veteran that's out there, it's been in the league forever, guy like that. So uh, that's a position I could see being filled by somebody that's not on the roster right now. Otherwise, they just loaded up at the running back position and can't give themselves depth there. They have depth at tight end. They have depth at wide receiver. And we already mentioned the guard spot. I, I I think that I think that's more known that they're going to likely add another guard or interior offensive lineman at some point. So at Anthony Leopard asks, does Jabril Pepper gets get extended prior to Week One? And at one point this offseason, I thought that the Giants would go in that direction. But the more you talk to people, the more you see where they're moving. Look, they have a lot of money invested in that secondary right now. Think about it. They also have, they re-sign Logan Ryan. They have a heavy investment in Xavier McKinney, maybe not financially, but that's a second-round pick they're going to want to play. Now, they have two big-money cornerbacks. I'm starting to think it's more and more unlikely the Giants are going to sign, especially if Xavier McKinney could play, a third safety, a third, you know, like another safety long-term under contract. I think they're going to let this play out. And see what happens. And if Xavier McKinney plays well, I think the likelihood is you're going to see Jabril Peppers walk in free agency next offseason. You can only invest so much money in certain position groups. The Giants have a lot of money invested in that secondary right now. At Vanilla Vic asks, do you generally like the direction the Giants went this offseason? I think they overpaid at certain spots, but... Do I think the team is better? Do I like the talent on the roster better? Absolutely. I will say this. I think this, aside from 2016, which turned out really well and everything panned out defensively, this is the most talented roster from top to bottom the Giants have had in the past eight years. Now, I know that's not saying much. They've been terrible. The roster's been bad. That's generally why going into the season, I looked at it, I mean, they always go and okay, maybe if this guy turns out here, if this guy pans out here, if this guy pans out, there would there'll be like 15 of those. Well, at least now we know there's some definites on this roster. There's there's some there's a, like more than a handful of guys, you know. Okay, we know what we're getting in this guy, right? Saquon Barkley injured, but if he when he plays, like we know what he is. Kenny Galladay, they know what he is. Sterling Shepard, quality player. Evan Ingram. I know he's the bane of everyone's existence right now, but he's still an above average player. Uh, you have guys like uh, Sterling Shepard, quality player. I think we know what Darius Slayton is right now, quality receiver. Uh, defensive line, Dexter Lawrence, good player. Leonard Williams, really good player. Logan Ryan, good player. Like these guys, you know what you're getting at this point. There's no like if, you know, 
if this, if he, you know, takes the next step, Dexter Lawrence is a good player. No, Dexter Lawrence is already a good player. Leonard Williams is already a good player. Blake Martinez is already a really good player. James Bradbury is a really good player. But Dory Jackson comes with some question marks. But I just named like eight guys that we know are quality good players in this league. Now, they don't still have that star power yet. They're going to have to have a guy or two hit at some point. But there's at least a base now where you could be more positive about the Giants. And that's why I'm more positive about the Giants this year than I have in several years. Ruben F. Vargas says, hello, Jordan from Barcelona. Love it. Fans from Spain. We're worldwide, people. Worldwide, baby. Mr. Worldwide over here. Mr. 732. Mr. Worldwide. That's what they call me. Or that's what I just called myself. You are one. You see one of the O-lines undrafted free agents making the roster. Best regards from Spain. Great podcast. Thanks, Ruben. I really appreciate it. The fact that you're listening from Spain uh, warms my heart. Number one, Spain's great place. Love it there. Barcelona. Uh, never actually been to Barcelona, which I would like to do. So maybe one day I'll get out there, Ruben. Uh, it's definitely on my uh, bucket list of things I need to do is get to Spain. Now, one of the undrafted free agent offensive linemen, I think the likelihood is that one of them does make it. Uh, so what is there? There's two of them. Brett Hagee, I believe, is the name of one of them. Uh, let me pop it up here. Don't remember their names off the, the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, Brett Hagee from Florida, which is the guy I remembered, and Jake Burton. That was the other guy from Baylor. Uh, now, the likelihood is, yeah, sure, one of them has a good chance of making it, probably does make it, kind of like Kyle Murphy last year. But that's really what they end up being, like developmental projects. Maybe one of them makes it, ends up as a developmental project on the back end of the roster. You don't see them much this year. That's the likelihood of how the undrafted free agents play out. And that's usually what it is. You usually get a couple undrafted free agents that make the team. It's going to be a little harder this year, though, if you think about it, because the Giants only signed three guys. So you only signed three guys. There's not a lot to choose from. If you sign like 10 or 11, which they have in some years, better chance that one makes it. But thin offensive line, not very deep, opportunities there. I would probably bet on one of those two guys making it. Which one? Who knows? Like I said, you cannot discern much from offensive linemen at minicamp. Uh, next question, at MetsMavs910 says, and I put this tweet out saying we're going to do a Giants after dark and, and you know, send your questions along. And it was like early morning, uh, not early morning, but like late morning, early afternoon. So he says, isn't that a Giants before dark? And that is true. I asked for the questions when it was light outside. But if I answer the questions when it's dark outside, it's a den of giants after dark. See, these are the things I think about before I send out these texts. Now I'm taping this late on Wednesday night. Aha. Uh-huh. See, I'm thinking about these things. Thinking ahead. Still a giants after dark. People always get on me for that. You know, isn't it a giants before dark or, you know, uh, you know, whatever play on words you want to come up with for the uh, fact that it's not nighttime when I'm answering these questions. But, hey, branding, people, branding. Got to stick with what's working. Giants after dark. Been doing it for years. Got to stick with it. Just because it's light outside doesn't mean I'm going to change the name up. Giants after dark it is. If I'm answering your questions, it's a Giants after dark. Or I could just, it could be during the day. I could go in the closet, answer them in the closet, 
The question is, turn the light off. And then, then technically, I'm in the dark. All right. Talked about enough stupidity there. Last question. Hey, Tommy P asks, do you see Darnay Holmes retaining the slot corner job, or can Aaron Robinson somehow push him for the spot? How do they compare as players? Yeah, you know what? They're going to be matched up, and they're going to give him an opportunity to win that job, Aaron Robinson. We'll see how they both play in training camp. Now, look, there's an opportunity there because you go and look at the totality of how Darnay Holmes played last year, and it wasn't great. He got picked on, especially early in the year. You know, he was not very good early in the year. Uh, So I think Aaron Robinson has a chance here. Do they, I think the likelihood is that they find a role for both of them in specific packages. From my understanding, and I, we will, we will see this as it goes along, but Aaron Robinson is maybe a little more physical, uh, a little bigger. He looked a little bigger than Darnay Holmes, at least to me, when I saw him on the field uh, in rookie minicamp. So it's possible the Giants like him a little better, maybe in early downs, in rundowns, or in positions where they're going to play, you know, almost exclusively man to man, press at the line and ask him to be, you know, more physical, because I think he's going to be the more physical player than Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes is maybe a little more quick twitch kind of guy, read and react, not as much a factor probably against the run than would be Aaron Robinson, but the jury's out. We're going to have to figure that out and see him do it in the NFL and against NFL competition. So it'll be a definitely that is a competition that we're going to be watching closely this summer, and it should be interesting. It gives the Giants options at the position, right? And it's a position in the past. I mean, two years ago, they had to put Corey Ballantyne there. He he couldn't play there. He he wasn't a, a slot guy. You know, Grant Haley was there before. I mean, the Giants, they, they slid Dominique Rogers Camardi in there. Like, they were always seemed to be short at that position. Now... They seem to have two young options. Let him go out there, battle it out, have competition, let the best man earn playing time. That's a good position to be in. And the Giants have worked themselves that into a position like that at several spots. Like I mentioned, cornerback, same thing. Got the two veteran starters, all those young guys behind them, let them battle it out. Wide receiver, deep room. Tight end, deep room. Running back now, deep room. These are good things. Now, offensive line is not a deep room. That's the one position we gotta we gotta uh you gotta watch carefully. That we know that's the position we're worried about. And like likely why they probably are still gonna add another player at some point. Whether it be before camp, during camp, before the season, you know, the 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 after you know, final cuts, whatever it is. Anyway, the Giants are in better position overall for reasons like having guys like Aaron Robinson and Darnay Holmes. So let the best man win. Let's see how it goes. And that's it for this Giants After Dark. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. 
So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, we're going to wrap this episode up with a little Jordan on the beat where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. And uh, this Kadarius Tony stuff that I mentioned before, I told you I'm going to go back to the uh, fake fiance story. And I don't know if you're, most people remember this, but so Kadarius Tony, he has trouble with his cleats, right? He just seems like one of those guys that things happen to, right? He has an incident where he got suspended at Florida. He was running down with a you know an air rifle that was painted after a fight. Then he gets pulled over and has a rifle and a loaded rifle in the back seat, not illegal in Florida. And now he gets to the Giants and the first thing, first day on the field, he's wearing the wrong size cleat. So the it just seems like he's one of those guys that things just happen to him, you know. And and there's another Giants receiver you guys probably remember that things just kind of happened to. His name was Odell Beckham Jr., right? Uh, not necessarily, you know, police-related, but things just always seem to happen to that guy. Uh, actually, you know, he, he had the incident in the LSU locker room. He had all these things. I mean, the, the, the fight with Josh Norman, uh, the kicking net, all these things just seem to happen to Odell Beckham, the fake you know, Odell's running around out there in public and some of it self-inflicted, some of it not. Probably the same Kadarius Tony. I mean, you know, just, is it just a coincidence? Maybe that all these things have happened to him in such a short period of time. Or maybe, you know, he just seems to bring it upon himself, which Odell in a way did at times also, which, but this one brought me back to, okay, so one of his first impressions is he's on the field. He can't get in the right cleats, Kadarius Tony. But one of Odell's first impressions when he first came, and this was probably a harbinger of things to come, and we probably and most people just didn't realize him. He had a fake fiance out there, not to his doing. There was some girl running around out there saying she was engaged to Odell and trying to use it to her advantage. And it was out there before the draft, during the draft, and it got to the point in the spring where Odell had to address it. And this girl started doing it. I think she did an interview or something. And so she's talking about it. And people are like taking it as if she's his fiance. I don't think he even knew her. They'd sick the lawyers on her, I believe, if I remember correctly. But so Odell had to do a little press conference on the patio at the, in the back of the Giants facility saying, this is, this is totally fake. He doesn't know this person. Uh, everybody should kind of not pay attention to her. Uh, and like, Okay, nothing to do with him. He didn't have anything to do with it. It wasn't his fault. But it, it just, it was a sign, maybe, that we all ignored that this is, this guy, things just happened to this guy. He's a guy that is out there handing out $100 bills to LSU players after, you know, they win the national championship. Or that he's going to propose to a kicking net. Or, you know, He's going to end up making this ridiculous catch, becoming this mega superstar. 
who's friends with LeBron and sitting courtside at all these games. Like, you know, I mean, these are the kind of things that when he first came, you didn't really envision. But then when there was the fake fiance story, maybe should have been a tell, a little hint. Things are just going to happen to this guy. He's going to be texting LeBron and Michael Jordan a year later. He's going to be, you know, getting himself in trouble for an off-season video in Paris with pizza crusts or a blunt, whatever you want to believe. All these things that have happened over the years. Just made me think about that. He had the wrong size cleats. Have you ever heard of that before? Who has the wrong, who, who can't practice and is in and out of practice because he has the wrong size cleats? And it's only the wrong size on one foot? Like it was off on his right foot. His left foot was fine. A little bit of a head scratcher. Not a red flag razor, but definitely a head scratcher. And after having experienced the Odell experience, it makes me wonder, could this be the next one headed in that direction? Who knows? Maybe everything turns out just fine. Maybe these are just freak incidents. Not not related. Three freak incidents in the span of the last three years or whatever. Who knows? And maybe... He's just going to go out there, play football, and fly under the radar. Then again, he's a wide receiver. I wouldn't bet on that. But that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I just, I just remember covering that now. And, and I didn't think twice about it, but it is one of the more unique things that the guy, Odell, had a fake fiance, like right when he came into the NFL. You don't, right? Have you ever seen that happen to somebody else? Nope. Unique to that individual. But that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, tell your friends, like, subscribe. Feel free to send your questions any any way you can to me. I'm available on pretty much every social media platform you can think of. I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time. Yeah.